Alexander Six steps out onto a balcony, heaving a deep and dramatic sigh before settling forward onto the railing. Like everything else in this place, the railing keeping Alexander back from the lake has an uneven, nacreous shine. A tall figure walks out onto the same balcony, dressed in archaic pearlescent plate armor. Your injuries? The figure asks. And Alexander fakes a deep laugh as the serpentine tendrils framing their head writhe on the air. Barely anything. Not enough for me to be sidelined anyway. Not for good. Do you trust me? Alexander looks out over the lake again. Of course. It is another misty morning in Solomon City. The residents can't see the surrounding Lake Michigan, much less anything beyond their bubble. An artificial city designed from the ground up to be safe from an angel attack, with state-of-the-art sensors leading to state-of-the-art warning sirens leading to state-of-the-art shelters. This area of the city is quiet and the air is silver white. In a carefully manicured park, on a bench dedicated to some long-dead luminary, there sits a girl, with crutches leaning against the bench beside her and the blue light of a computer screen meeting her gaze and illuminating the mist around her. Her hair is a glassy, transparent white blonde, and her skin an anemic pale. The computer screen is the only thing keeping her from vanishing. I got a question for the baby. Oh, no. It's early in the morning. It's a misty morning. What's baby doing out? Um, I'm probably on my way back to base after having, you know, I like to spend my mornings not there uh, just because I, I, I try to spend as little time on base as possible. So I think I've been out and about. Maybe I got like some early morning like pastries for like breakfast, like I was doing some window shopping in, like, a nearby shopping district. How cute. I've been really needing to get some more, like, cleaning solution and, and such for my trumpet, because, you know, time has just kind of gotten away from me with all of the hymnal stuff, you know, doing missions and all, so. I sadly haven't been able to be doing the upkeep that I would like, so part of me is like, uh, should I, you know, get some equipment to, you know, fix up and maintain it, or maybe it's just time to get a new trumpet altogether, you know? Maybe I could use something new to bring some life back into me or something. <laughs> oh, no. All right, and I think you're window shopping in an upscale shopping district. For sure. Because that's, well, I'm going to be honest with you, it's near home. Yeah. When this is a familiar face that you see at the park. This is the girl from the memorial ceremony. The lone hymnal user who was sent down by the CAF to attend. Huh. I don't know if I talked to her, I think there might be a point where, like, you know, I'm doing window shopping, I'm walking it by, I see her and, like, stare. <laughs> Not intentionally, but, you, you know, when you see someone, you're like, wait, I know that person. Where, where do I know that person from? And then, like, that recognition and being like, oh, yeah. And I think she turns as if she could feel someone's eyes on the back of her head, as you sometimes kind of do. And you can see the same face journey on her. Just the who is, where do I? Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a awkward nod. Yeah, and a little wince. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a slight wave. Very slight wave of a bandaged hand and a very slow turning back around to face the computer screen. Uh, none of us wanted this. <laughs> yeah. You know, part of me is like, all right, <laughs> awkward interaction has just happened. Maybe it's time to move on. But I think there's a part of me that feels a little, I don't want to use the word pity because it feels almost like dehumanizing in some ways, you know, but mm. it kind of feels like that, I guess. And 
you know, I look down and I have an extra croissant. Deep sigh. I walk over. Oh, uh, um, hi. Hi. Good morning. Sorry, yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't want to um, bother you. I let just... me, uh, no, it's okay. Um, he- here. And she picks up her computer bag and moves it to kind of tuck it behind her crutches so there's room on the bench. Oh, no, you don't, no, you don't have to do that. I just, it's, uh, it's okay. Uh, I, um, I just, uh, you know, uh, I, it's, Early, you know, and I was just, uh, the bakery got, uh, they gave me an extra croissant and I'm... Oh, uh, oh, you know, I, uh, I guess I ha- um, haven't eaten, I guess, uh... You don't have thanks. to take it, I was just, you know, uh, No, um... I, cause... Hey, um, yesterday was some bullshit, huh? Like, actually some bullshit? Oh, yeah. Oh, very much bullshit. <laughs> it was the worst. Yeah. I'd rather have been anywhere else. Not, not that it's not I- important. I mean, you guys lost people, too, and I don't mean to be, like, disrespectful, but I just hate that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. I get you. And I think, uh, like, almost unconsciously, I sit down. Um, I'm, I'm Suzanne. Um, everyone calls me Susie. Balthazar. But everyone calls me baby. And she, uh, holds out the wrong hand because the other one is yeah. still pretty bandaged. Without, like, skipping a beat, I use the hand to match the <laughs> one that she's using. Um, it's nice to meet you, baby. Nice to meet you too, Susie. Uh, and I, I go to start taking the croissant out of the bag and then realize like, oh, I don't want to touch it. Uh, And so I just kind of (laughs) awkwardly like. uh, thank. Yeah. Here, I, I think I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, um, Thanks. Thanks. Um, I've never been to Solomon City before. And I'm on leave until I'm off of these. And she motions to her crutches. Oh, um, yeah, it's a it's a pretty g- good city, I guess. I suppose it's a little biased for me to say that, but uh, um, yeah. Well, <laughs> everyone likes their hometown, right? Ah, uh, it's complicated. <laughs> I bet. Well, you know, when a whole town is built to be a bastion for humanity, I guess it feels grandiose to say that, but um, (laughs) it's complicated, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of things that get put into it, you know, from a structural, systematic level that is kind of bullshit, but, you know, what do you do about that? Mm. Um, don't laugh. When I was researching before my trip, I heard that this was built under the old Musk Tunnels. Is it true? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I said not to laugh. I'm sorry. It's just uh, people t- tend to try to, well, uh, not talk about it just because, you know, name and all. But, um... Oh, yeah. I guess it's one of those things. I just meant that there's there's just a network of tunnels under here, and... Oh, yeah. Well, it connects Solomon City back to the mainland and some of the other man-made islands uh, surrounding it back to, you know, central Solomon. So in the case of an emergency, people can easily get back here without having to take their shitty boats. Oh, wow. I also heard the sensors are military grade. In some parts. The parts they care about, you know? But uh, other parts, not so much. That sounds about right. Yeah. It's mostly around the, well, 
some of those man-made islands for the most part. And then uh, towards Central, uh, a bit around the shopping district. The guy in charge of that, he's um, he has a tendency to go on frequent vacations, let's say. But, you know, oh, and then there's like this moment where <laughs> baby realizes that they're going on about stuff that they probably should not be talking about. And he goes, You uh, know a lot about this place, huh? Uh, yeah, um, ugh, I hate saying this. My parents helped build the city, so I, I, was kind of around for a lot of it and know a decent amount of the people in charge of those kinds of things. And they... they let you become a pilot? (sighs) Sorry, sorry, that was... uh, Sorry, it's just... I'm used to people with important parents staying far away from these programs. You know? Yeah. Well, sorry. No, you're good. It's not your fault. It's, you know, for my family, the opportunity or the honor, as they would call it, to protect humanity is, um, you know, the most important thing that a person could do. So when the opportunity was put in front of me, uh, they were very pushy about it. That, um... Hey, baby? That, uh... That sucks. Yeah, it does... Yeah, yeah, no, it sucks. It real. It really... It really sucks. But, uh, you know, I... You know, they're... Right? Right? I... I mean... Just because they're not wrong doesn't mean it doesn't suck. Yeah, no, it sucks. Hey, if you've got some time over the next couple weeks, I'd kind of like to see more of the city while I'm here on leave. I mean, you've probably got places to be, but... I mean, um, I anywhere that's not the base is honestly pretty good for me, so I'd, I'd be more than happy to show you around. And honestly, I don't know if anyone could show you better than I could. Great. Yeah. All right, then. Awesome. Thanks. Of course. Here, uh, my, my number. Um, and she kind of, you know, does the, gets out her phone and... Yeah, we exchange numbers. Well, uh, I'll see you around, Susie. Um, yeah. I'll, um, yeah. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, baby. Um, she kind of reopens her laptop, which she had kind of closed at like a 45 degree angle when you sat down. <laughs> yeah. Gives you a wave. Mm-hmm. And I give her a very awkward wave and a smile before turning and slowly making my way back to the base. It is evening now. It's no longer a misty morning, but a clear and cool evening. Not that Flannery would know. Flannery is in her room. Indeed she is. And she has uh, her own laptop out in front of her right now, which happens to have a video call screen on it, on which is displayed the face of someone she cares very much about, her longtime girlfriend, Jean. And we catch her kind of towards the tail end of their weekly call that they've been having since Flannery left to go live on base. And what have you two been talking about over the course of this weekly call? I think it's about the same vibe as most of their calls have been so far. Namely, it's Flannery trying to keep up that positive energy that she knows that Jean likes about her and trying to assure her that things are going well and that she's learning a lot and doing a lot and kind of recapping on stuff that's happened on missions to the degree that she's allowed to talk about it or people she's met on base or 
superior officers that she may have inadvertently annoyed. And I think right now she's recapping the standout aspects of the last mission that they were involved in. And you you should have seen it. Like, Lin Lin, like, rode the boat as Mia was shooting it through the air and then split it in half with a scythe. And it was the, the craziest thing I've ever seen, Jean. Oh, my God. It's, it was amazing. And that was before, like, I even got involved in anything. Like, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's kind of incredible. It sounds like you're up to some action movie shit, huh? Yeah, like, <laughs> some of this is uh, obviously it's kind of weird and high stakes and all that, and it's not all been fun, but, like, it's honestly some of the stuff I've only, like, dreamed about in my, <laughs> well, wildest dreams. Wow, that's a great way to describe things, huh? <laughs> yeah, um, hey, uh, how's Coach? Uh, have you been keeping up with Coach since you... Yeah, yeah. Uh, we ha- we had a, a call the other day, um, and I I talked to her, and, and she's <laughs> she's keeping me in line with my regimen and making sure that I'm still like putting in applications to the places that we think might accept me after I'm done with everything. Um, it was kind of a short call, but yeah, we we talked a bit. No good. You know, I'd hate to think you were losing out on the stuff that matters to you. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and. Flannery doesn't want to say anything because they've had this conversation before and she knows how it goes. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not, no, I just, I just mean, you know, like you take your gymnastics really seriously and that's really beautiful of you. And that, that's all, that's all. I'm happy, I'm happy that you're having your calls with coach. But, um, oh, um, I'm helping Jerry and Victoria they got a house. Oh, really? Already? Wow. <clears throat> yeah. I guess that makes sense. Victoria's folks are absolutely loaded, but still. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Jerry wanted me to help them decorate, so I'm uh, I'm an interior designer, kind of. Yeah. It, like, it's not one of the like mediums that you've worked in a lot, but I I know your talent, and I know that you're absolutely going to come up with something amazing for them. <laughs> I hope you're right. Uh, you know, Victoria's taste, very high end, but I'm going to do my best. Yeah. Well, if she doesn't like it, then you know who's going to come and like, (laughs) she raises up her arm and does like a holding your flexed arm kind of pose. (laughs) Oh, I've already warned them about that. But, you know, once we figure out what school you're going to, I just... It's just nice that they're getting a house, you know? Yeah, yeah, it must be. Uh, and I am I really hope that we can have some place like that, too. Yeah. I don't know if it'll be a house. I'd <laughs> Maybe just a, a little apartment. Yeah. <laughs> try not to break everything in a small space, okay? Uh, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> we need at least some room for some of the exercise bikes and whatnot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I guess. Maybe we get like a two bedroom and have one of the bedrooms be a little gym. Oh, that would be, that would be really nice. That would be really nice. And you could have like a studio. Yeah. Big windows, lots of sunlight. And three cats. At least. At the very least. So, um, hurry up and and get this, this other stuff done with. Okay, Flannery? Will do. And she gives you a little, like, mock salute. Ugh. I know, it's just habit now. Ugh. I, uh, I gotta go. I've got studying to do tonight. A big one tomorrow. All right, well, you you got this then. (laughs) Thanks, Flannery. I I wouldn't be much help with that even if I were there, but (laughs) you absolutely got this. Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. All right. I'll talk to you then. I'm looking forward to it. Love you. Love, love you too. Bye. Bye. She gets a little wave as the call switches off. (sighs) And I think then she looks at the time 
And then she goes, ah! <laughs> and she realizes that she's late for a dinner date <laughs> that she's organized. Yes. And she rushes to grab her things to make sure she makes it there reasonably on time. Now, at this point, uh, I know with whom Flannery has this dinner date, but my first question is, whose idea was this? <laughs> I think it was Flannery's. <laughs> She wants to hang out more with her team. Like, they all get to hang out when they train and everything. But that's not the same thing as hanging out. It's not the same thing as hanging out. And yet, Lin and Baby are waiting at the restaurant. <laughs> and it's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Flannery is like a social gluer conduit or just any type of like facilitator between them they're pretty different people (laughs) (laughs) and i think they're just like sitting there quietly next to each other yeah the waitress comes by with a pitcher of water you um you uh, still waiting for somebody yeah she'll be here about uh any second now um can i get you some more water um anything else to drink do you all have ginger ale? Of course. That'd be great. Thank you. Be right back. After she leaves, Linda's just looking over like, ginger ale actually sounds really nice. Right? Honestly, it's pretty sure it's the like best soda. The best? Yeah. It's pretty good. Okay. I, I guess I preferred root beer, but that works too. <sighs> I can't do root beer. The aftertaste is nothing. No, I... And I know some people hate the whole. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Immediate relief. <laughs> sliding in through the door like a baseball player sliding into home plate. Like, I made it. I'm here. <laughs> uh, happy to see you here. Seven out of ten. Am, am I late? You're. Yes. Yes. Uh, sorry, I didn't know we were going to sugarcoat it. No, it's okay. I think you had a good call. A little bit late, but you know, we were just getting started. Yeah. What kind of restaurant is this? I think it's a seafood restaurant. Okay. Flannery's a big fan of your like salmons and crabs and your lobsters and whatnot. And this is absolutely the best seafood place in town that isn't like the one that only the bougie elites go to. This is like (laughs) the best regular people seafood restaurant. Yeah, it's like a little crab shack. So it's a Creole place. Yeah. Yeah. The superior form of seafood restaurant. Yeah, Yeah. there we go. Yeah, that's not wrong. And I think it's an approachable enough place that you can get a table by the window without having to know somebody. And eventually the waitress comes back with a glass of ginger ale with ice cubes rattling around in it. Uh, Oh. Oh, thanks. And uh, Flannery just grabs the water right out of her hands and takes a big old gulp. Sorry, I ran all the way here. I need it. I need the water. <laughs> okay, and she hands you a third menu and goes back to get more drinks. Anyway. Were you able to take a look at the menu before? Oh, I don't need to. No worries. I know exactly what I like here. And she points to a couple things on the menu. Okay, then that's perfect. Lena will just look over at Flannery's like, okay, so are the muscles any good? Oh, yeah. Well, well if, if you like muscles, absolutely. Uh, especially if you, like, get them with some garlic and some chilies and, like, oh... <laughs> I think they're in season right now. And the waitress comes by with two more glasses of water, takes the empty glass from Flannery. Do we know what we want? I think so. Baby's just been silently, like, flipping back and forth through the menu, (laughs) eyeing it quietly. Uh, I might order the mussels if you guys are okay with eating some of the mussels. I don't know if I could finish that in the crab cakes by myself. Yeah, let's let's get one of those, and I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a chicken po' boy as well. Can I do a cup of the filet gumbo, an order of the crab claws, half a dozen of the East Coast oysters, a fried shrimp po' boy? Um, what are the jazzy wings like? <laughs> They're sweeter than you expect. Kind of medium hot. Okay. I'll do some of the jazzy wings, I guess. All right. Oh, oh, also, and, and, and a bisque. I'll have a bisque as well. Hmm. I'll also do a bisque. All right. 
Yeah, let's just get like a big table of things. Um, home. We, can, we can all share. We can all uh, sample things. Oh, also a whole slab of these ribs. These what? look pretty good. <laughs> They're very popular. Okay. And I'll have one plate of mussels that I'll share. Okay, we'll be right back with that. Guys, you're ordering so much. <laughs> oh, sorry. You gotta have Wait. leftovers. Leftovers? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Maybe I should have got the shrimp and grits then. Do you not do you not do leftovers? Oh, I eat more than it might seem like I do usually. Hey, that's cool. Like if you're a healthy growing person. I, I wish I was able to do that. It's amazing. I'm just trying to protein up, but like it's a it's a work in progress. Well, you're doing pretty well at it so far. Thanks. I'm new. It's uh I think I think it's going well though. I think the seafood's been nice. Yeah. Well, I was also talking about like just the how you've been doing in like training and everything lately. Like both of you oh. are just oh, you're you're so both of you are so impressive. I <laughs> it's a struggle <laughs> to keep up sometimes, honestly. Like Lynn, you're always just so focused and into it and I I I really envy that about you sometimes. And really? I'm just trying to catch up to you. Like you know what you're doing. Like you got just an energy coming in. You I don't know, you just seem so comfortable with it. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, obviously, I, I guess I've been doing stuff like this a while, but, like, even so, like, I, I feel, all, like, kind of just all over the place sometimes. I have to really, really think about keeping my mind in one place. And, <laughs> I like, I can I can do the, I can do the, the twisting and the jumping and the, and the lifting and all of that, but if I have to do something really complex, then, mm, takes a bit of the old noodle, I guess. I guess it's easier just to like look at somebody else doing a thing and just try to mirror that until they're done. So then you're done. Hmm. I think that's what it is. So I've got a question. I've got two questions. My first question is, who's looking out the window? Balthazar 100% doesn't really want to be a part of this part of the conversation. <laughs> Leonin's also like occasionally looking out just because I think last episode established that like eye contact's a little hard for her at times. So my next question is for Dylan. What does the party see out the window? So across the street from this lovely restaurant pulls up a figure on a black motorcycle wearing a riding jacket and a helmet. And provided that Linlin is looking at the right <laughs> moment, uh, does catch that the helmet and the jacket are the very same ones that they saw sitting on Mia's spare chair in her office. She brings the motorcycle to a stop, shuts it off, and climbs off the bike and collects a side satchel off the back of the bike and taking off the helmet and strapping it to the bike and looks ready to start walking down the street. <gasps> Look, it's her. What? Her? Her? What do you mean? Who's her? helmet. That's... That's Lieutenant Mia. Is it? No, I recognize that jacket and helmet. That's that's in her office. Oh, I see it. I see it. Yeah, like, she's a biker. That's so cool. What is she doing here? The waitress very quietly drops off some of the appetizers. <laughs> <laughs> With these three kids, like, faces pressed against the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mia has her hair tied up in just, like, a short ponytail. It's probably the first time the kids have seen her outside of wearing her like officer's cap. And as she pulls away from the side of the sidewalk and reaches a small corner into an alley, she stops and takes a few moments like covering her face and mouth and then disappears into the alley. Eyes narrow. Hmm. 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 We probably shouldn't pry. We really shouldn't. But, but we can. <laughs> hey, can we make a to-go order? Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, the entrees are gonna take a little bit longer. Um, we can come by and pick them up after. Uh, I'll, all right. Baby <laughs> takes their wallet out of their back pocket, <laughs> takes out a platinum black credit card, <laughs> and, and puts it on the table. Oh, big spender. Anyway, let's go. 
so the three of you are just uh, doing a little evening stalking. Mm-hmm. We're going to Scooby-Doo this shit. Yeah, there's like three heads peeking like away like from a corner. Creeping behind the nearby cars and poking their heads up. Three little heads in three different parts of the car peeking out. One from behind, one on the side, one is underneath. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and what do they see as they round the corner? Yeah, so, I mean, peeking down the alley, it's just a, a shady alley here in, in Solomon City. Nothing stands out, at least in this first stretch. But further down the alley, it curves further back behind some of the buildings that are street-facing. And they faintly catch a glimpse of Mia moving behind one of said buildings and disappearing out of view further down the alley. Hmm. Well, we came this far. Come on. <laughs> and Flannery motions for them to follow her as they creep after. Yeah, on it. And she's just, like taking some small panting as like it's a bit of a fast process, but she's trying to keep up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like going down these back alleys, Solomon City's by no means like old enough to have, you know, detritus and vagrants hanging around in the back alleys necessarily, but it does get a little darker and a little bit less polished the further into the back alleys everyone goes until eventually there are these small little tucked away office entrances behind the street facing buildings and you see like a tattoo shop and a little like used bookstore tucked away out of sight and Mia rounding one of the corners unaware of the three following her arrives at a small painted black door with an eye slot shutter and there is a neon sign above the door that strongly alludes to it being some sort of BDSM hangout just like flickering and humming oh, no. slightly oh. um, and you know she just approaches the door and then knocks a couple times and then stops and waits at this point the kids can see that she's nursing a cigarette in her offhand as she knocks with her right hand. And there's a few moments before the slot opens and Mia's talking quietly. And then the- Hey, everybody. Yeah. One by one, your phones start to ring. Starts with Mia's. Uh, okay. M Mia answers <laughs> for sure, backing away from the door after already talking. It is the bridge. There's been a sighting. You and your team are closest. All right, very well. Um, I'll collect the other pilots and head there as soon as possible. They're being notified as we speak. Lovely. Now the question is, <laughs> do people's phones vibrate, ring? <laughs> are there just like three simultaneous rings behind a car that right next to Mia? <laughs> Absolutely there is just turns, immediately sees all three of them. <laughs> oh. Well then, that's... Hello, Fontaine, oh, Baker, Oh, Mia! Young. Oh, fancy seeing you here! That's... Oh. Wow, that's crazy, huh? Did you get the message? We need a Mia at the bridge. Yeah! We, we just got that, too. Sorry for following you. <laughs> I didn't even have to ask. Maybe. Lovely. And at this point, the door behind her opens and a gentleman who's just like pierced to hell and has like a mohawk pokes his head out and chauffeurs out an absolutely just fuck off massive dog and hands the, the leash to Mia. <laughs> Specifically, it's not just any absolutely massive dog. It is... A Tibetan Mastiff. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's a big friend. No, that's fuck off massive, all right. Just a really fucking big dog. And Mia just takes the lead. Thank you. Um, here's the money. I have work now. Um, Kyle, have a nice day. All right, kids. Let's go. And Mia retrieves her phone to call for a car to pick them up. Yeah. The agency sends a car extremely quickly. Right to the alley. <laughs> Mia takes the driver's seat and tells the, the driver to call a ride. 
and then whoever wants shotgun can have it, and then the other two are going to sit with the dog between them. Leland wants to sit next to the dog and not next to Mia right now. <laughs> Flannery wants to sit next to the dog because she wants to snuggle the dog. I guess that's forcing me to have shotgun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this the one group in history where no one calls shotgun? Also, before we leave, Baby turns to the driver and says, if you could, um, we got some food that's waiting for us <laughs> at the crab shack nearby. Uh, I already paid for it, but could you, uh, it would be a waste. Uh, could you like pick it up um, for us? Maybe take it to the base. You can have the jazzy wings that are in there. I was kind of- You can try the mussels too, if you want. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we, we got uh, so many, we got so many gumbos. The driver is just bewildered, but yeah, nods. Uh, Okay, okay. Also, I don't think the oysters will keep, so totally take those as well. Probably, probably not. Yeah, Um, you got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll take care of the food. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can sign for me. I leave at twenty percent. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, good luck. Good luck. Thanks. It's worth mentioning that the dog's name is Ollie. And he is extremely well behaved and Mia just orders him into the car and he just does so. I love Ollie. Lynn's face is just buried into this dog and then her stomach just growls. (laughs) I think Mia produces like an athletic protein bar out of her like bag and hands it to Young. I can hear that from all the way up here. Thank you. And then just embarrassed takes it and tries to unwrap it as quietly as possible. <laughs> oh, there is a distraction in that the angel alert sirens start going off. Oh, shit. Um, <sighs> okay, step on it. She puts her foot on it and just tears through town. It's not far. It's not far to the docks. There is a lone figure sitting at the pier. They are not particularly tall. They're sitting, but you'd guess not too much bigger than any of you. Lean figure, mostly human looking. Sitting very erect, very upright. There's a sword that faintly shines in rainbow slung at their hip. Like the other Nephilim you encountered. Oh, by the way, that's what this is. They wear a helmet that covers their face, but this one has a plume of pearlescent light, like a long feather springing from it. And they are seated at the docks, thumbing through some papers that have been retrieved from a dark briefcase sitting next to them. I don't know about who's going first, but upon pulling up, (laughs) just parks the car across the street from the angel and then looks to everyone in the car, dog included, and issues orders. <laughs> Baker, Young, as before, prioritize evacuation, follow up the rear, you have better range. Fontaine, you'll be staying close to me in the front. Ollie, watch the car. Roger, Dodger. Ma- yes, ma'am. Ollie barks. Uh, I was about to ask. <laughs> Is it just like the quiet boof of a large dog? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. polite little bark of a big dog that's well-trained. He's so good. Oh. Yeah. And then buries her face in him one last time before like exiting the car. Yeah, as Flannery gets out, she does the little fingers to the eyes like back and forth like, we'll come back for you. <laughs> You'll be safe. Um... Are there any people here, or is it just the Nephilim here? It is just the Nephilim here. Okay. This is the docks at sunset. Further away, you can see people in their little speedboats, but here, nobody. Leland will follow directions and stand by baby as, like, the other two are in front, but then she'll overcome, she'll go tell Mia, can we make sure that this one doesn't get away this time, or I can chase if it is? Yeah, that's the plan. Mia wants to approach since it's currently non-hostile. 
And yeah, the figure looks up from the papers and it's hard to read their expression because their face is covered, but there is a little start upward as if mildly surprised. They tuck the papers into the briefcase, close it with a decisive latch and stand. And now you can see that they aren't particularly tall, maybe five and a half feet. Oh, oh. Am I to assume that you're acquainted with Alexander Six? Oh, well, yes. Yes, I am. And are you just doing some sightseeing today? A little light reading. They hesitate, kind of raise a hand in the air a moment and then put it down. I felt that my compatriots' doings lacked a certain uprightness to which I am accustomed. Perhaps you could elaborate a little bit more on exactly what you mean by that? Well, goodness. The figure's shoulders slump just a couple degrees. They're so young. Anyway, Alexander is about the work. I can respect that. Julius too, by the way. It's my name. But, well, it's one thing to do the work, and it's another thing entirely to actually enjoy hurting other people. Other people. Other people. People, I suppose, now. So what exactly is your work, then? Hmm. What's yours? Dealing with whatever your BS is, Flannery says as she approaches, as she was told. Can you, like, just cut to the point already? Like, I don't have a lot of patience for whatever vague BS that you're doing right now. Like, just, well, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing here? I'm not here to attack anyone. I'm here because Alexander wouldn't teach me how to use the communication devices embedded in the hymnal units we have thus far acquired. And thus, my only way to see if you know as much about what you're doing as I know about what I'm doing. And they look down at the case beside them. I'm not here for a fight. All right. What am I supposed to do with that? Oh, uh, sorry. I should have been more clear. I was hoping to reach out to someone. But Alexander wouldn't show me how to use the comms. I don't think they know how. And is that what you're doing? Learning how to utilize the technology of the hymnals? Well, it's only fair, really. Is it? Well, if you're going to be learning how to use ours... And again, they look down at the case... All right, I'm going to keep this simple because you asked what my job is. So I'll tell you, 50% babysitting at the moment. No offense meant. Eh, fair. The other 50% is maintaining the well-being of everyone in this city and outside of it. So there, that's what I'm doing. Trying to save people's lives. So, hmm. what exactly is yours? Oh. Maybe I should be trying to get in touch with something like an intelligence director. Calixta sets up. Intelligence director? Was that what she said? Regardless. Good luck. We Even we have trouble getting a hold of them when we want them. Yeah, it's a bit frustrating. It's just like looking over. <laughs> Mia puts the head of her club down on the, the dock. All right. I don't feel comfortable with the information you already have. And... The mere fact that you have it is an active threat, and you've done very little to dissuade my worries. I know that you say you're not here to start a fight, which I respect, but I don't believe that what you're doing is harmless. So I'm going to give you all of one opportunity to relinquish the documents that you have and leave. There's an incline of the head, an exaggerated thinking gesture. A lot of their gestures are a little exaggerated as if to make up for the fact that their face is not visible. Very well. Then 
I will bid you adieu. I have no stomach for fighting children. I'll leave this here. My regards to your... Ah, I've forgotten the word. I forget a lot of words lately. And they just kind of start walking off the edge of the pier. Is that it? Are are we we just going to let them... Are we just going to let them go like that? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, just Flair looks very agitated. Like, really? (laughs) Mia steps forward and, and puts a foot on the briefcase and kicks it back away from the docks and draws her club. Yeah, I take that opportunity to get my pendant out as well. And since this is Aaron's roleplay scene episode, Aaron, what song are you using to activate Sunrise Vixen? Um, I think she's going to use a hopeful song today. Okay. What gets you through the day? Um, honestly, just genuine enthusiasm for the fact that there even is a day. Like, it seems... Odd to say, but Flannery's a bit a pretty big fan of life and living. <laughs> so any day that she gets to do that is already making a pretty good start. And do you genuinely really believe in hope? I think she does. I think she doesn't maybe think as hard about why as maybe she should. But I think she's a naturally pretty optimistic person. She wants things to work out all right. So she kind of just believes that they will eventually. Maybe there'll be some stumbling blocks along the way. Maybe some things are hard, but things seem to have a way of working out for her in the end, and she usually chases that. All right. So we start as usual with the party's turn. Julius, too, sensing that this is about to go the direction they didn't want, draws that rainbow-colored sword. And in kind, I'm going to draw the uh, short sword and flip it out into its whip form and prepare for engagement. I want to take this one back alive. Baker. Oh. She just passes a glance to Baby. Okay, interesting. Now, Kat, I notice there's a distinct lack of other objects present in the scene for me to um, (laughs) throw (laughs) or, you know, bat. Just t-ball a, a Vespa at this fella. Nicely ask Ollie to leave the car. <laughs> Ollie, get out. I need this car. I need to throw <laughs> my car. I bet the higher-ups hate Mia. Just, like, the amount of, like, collateral damage. <laughs> There's a reason she got stuck with this job. I bet the accountants hate Mia. Yeah. How many boats? <laughs> if Mia did that look back towards baby and, you know, set when it captured alive, then maybe baby acts first for once. <gasps> yeah, I think I have a certain amount of trust for Mia right now, and I don't want to be here, I don't want to do this, but maybe if I prove myself, it'll make my time here at least easier. Also, I would also prefer to take this person alive. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to maybe run across the dock hop off of the front of the boat and then over them and then like landing behind them, running across, uh, hopping off of the boat, flipping in the air. And as I am shooting out strands of like the the thin razor wire uh, cloth and I'm going to razor net them. That is a powerful opening gambit. Yeah. There's a special rule on this one. Oh, no. (laughs) What have you done, Kat? (laughs) The razor net misses. (sighs) The Nephilim does not move very fast, but extremely precisely. Oh, no. Takes a sidestep, grabs the razor net, and pulls you in to the sword for two harm. Wait, um, can I use an arcane barrier for this one? (laughs) I don't see why not. (laughs) Wonderful. Then that'll be the result of Love Song. As, like, Lin just sees this happening in front of her as her hymnal is revving up. There's just, like, a big gas seeing what happens, and then there's a big rainbow shield that shows up in front of Baby. I do want to be so, so clear. If you had not done that, I would have died. 
because I have two health and I used all of my gain for that razor net. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, power of love. Okay. I do not want to fight children. But I will. That works well enough for me. Yeah, we don't always get what we want, do we? Yeah. Mia's gonna do just a classic, which is hit many times with stick. Hit many times with stick. I'm gonna burn three gain to batter three times. Okay. Those blows connect against like forearms raised in front of the face in defense and definitely send them skidding backward. After which Mia makes a little bit of distance, just like a single strides worth, and then puts herself in just like a really low wide stance and braces herself against the club and looks back to Flannery. All right. If Mia's giving her an opening, then Flannery's going to arrange herself like she's going to stay kind of at the distance that she's at, but she's going to move slightly so that the Nephilim is more in like a line of sight for an attack from that distance. Okay. She gets up on the fence post because you gotta. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah. She's already got her whip sword out and it catches fire as she jumps up. And what she wants to do is use flame lash, which will deal two harm to a far target. All right. So she's going to whip the sword forward across the water. And from the sword is this giant flamethrower like, well, lash of flame that shoots out across towards the Nephilim. That also connects. I think uh, Julius too is looking at Mia and focused on blocking Mia's very many cruelties and does seem to be taken by surprise by this one. <laughs> That's what you get! That's what you get! <laughs> Linden is going to move right next to the boat at the corner of the dock and just sit on top of the fence there. Um, is, so do you want me to continue to stand by right now or do you two have this handle? <laughs> Free engagement. Okay, finally. And then she's going to just like hop off of the fence and then kick off the fence with like a bit of jet by the boots and just do a straight attack. All right. That sounds like a tempo attack. That's a six, a six, and a five. I'm so glad you said six because there are rules <laughs> if it's not. Oh, thank goodness. So as she just forward, she's going to just continue almost like in the same way that a knight might joust off of a horse with the high speeds. She's just going to use these jet power to just spear over at it, hoping to just poke through it. Yeah. In her head, these things are just invincible until they're suddenly not, and it hasn't reached the suddenly not part yet. It hasn't. Mia waits for the residual heat from Flannery's attack, plus the strike from Linlin, and like through the rippling like waves of heat, just like moves through the fire and tries to maneuver around Julius and put them in a headlock. All right. Yeah. And I think while you're doing that, Flannery's going to run around the dock and just barrel through with her whip sword and lash it out kind of around where the Nephilim's ankles are and try to swing around and tie up the ankles. All right. I would like some rolls. I would like a volume roll from Mia. This might be a tempo roll from Flannery. Dang, I was aiming for volume by like just rushing in there, but I also accept tempo. Well, tempo is the fast moving. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I got a four. Four and a five. All right, Julius jumps over the whip sword, lands on it, and then ducks under Mia and elbows sharply into Mia for two damage. And then they take a step around and emit just like an extremely piercing noise. It is a note, it is a single note, not sung with a human voice, but played from somewhere within that helmet and their immediate surroundings begin to resonate and they hover ever so slightly a couple of inches off the pier and everyone nearby takes to harm and yikes <laughs> condemnation is at 10% well 
That's not good for those with two HP. Uh, baby fall down. Uh, baby, uh, baby, baby fall down for sure. Okay. Flannery, stay up. Flannery, stay up. Well, Flannery's fine. Flannery's not in a close burst. So it's just um, Mia, Lin Lin, and Baby who are. Is Mia still up? Oh, yeah. I've got gain to burn for health. And I think the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to put some distance between us and these mean children. So Julius takes a sprint, just like ducking under the Lin's Guandao and hopping onto the speedboat that's next to the pier. And they reach into like an interior pocket in their elaborate clothes, pull out what looks like a yellowed scrap of paper and throw it into the air. And it catches fire with a bright white flame. And from that fire materializes something. What is that? Oh. Oh. Uh, what do my notes say? It's a big bear here to hug. <laughs> oh, I just wrote wheels in wheels, the rainbow as an Ouroboros eating itself, a serpent wound in circles within circles. It's huge. That's all my notes say. Mm. It spins. It spins in countless directions at the same time. And I think they snap their fingers and a network of elaborate magic circles appears briefly on the air in front of them and vanishes. And that's my turn. So is is baby down, down? Like, no health, no gain? From how I understand the rules, uh... Oh, I have a question for you now. Yeah, you do have a question for me now. Is death on the table today? Oh, 100% it is. I would never take that off the table. <laughs> you all promised to take it off the table till the midway point. Did you? I don't remember this promise. <laughs> oh, of course you don't. Okay. Duly noted. So eager. I'm so eager to let baby die. <laughs> We've got a very civilian baby baker. But before that happens, uh, my hopeful song allows me to spend two gain to increase another character's HP by one. Can I do that before this happens? Well, this happens in one blow, but I don't see why you couldn't do it after the fact. Yeah. Kendrick saying death is on the table does not mean I'm killing baby right now. It just means we're leaving baby in the scene and what happens happens. But yeah, you can absolutely heal baby. So baby looks in a bad way and Flannery's like, shit. And she's going to rush forward and tries to like rack her brain with some of the information that that Arcanist Fusk had mentioned to her about the repair functions of their hymnal units. I guess to paint what baby looks like right now, um, just to paint the scene of like what Flannery would be running up towards, like Mm -hmm. straight up having a panic attack right now, prone on the ground, like sitting on their ass, like staring and like all eyes cape like mouth dropped, hyperventilating, almost unresponsive and not being able to take in information of what's going on around them right now. A lot just happened. They took two heavy blows like at once and like I don't know if they're going to be even helpful if you put them back in a hymnal right now. Oh shit, shit, shit. Um, I think I can share some of the energies from mine to yours. Hang on just a sec. The moment that baby's hymnal went down, Mia put herself like on top of them and like between the angels and them, like full on, like just rooted to that spot. She will fucking die here before she moves. Oh, right. It's a song thing. It's always a song thing. So she like launches into like the chorus of the song and is basically singing to baby to heal them. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. You're going to be fine. And so that energy is going into your hymnal pendant. It's your choice whether you want to reactivate it or not. And well, not maybe not choice, but like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Well, either way, I'm going to be here for you. And she squeezes their hand a little tighter. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't, don't want to die. 
You're not going to die, baby. You're not going to die. I've got you. And she grabs baby and takes them tight against her chest. You're not going to die. We'll make sure of that. Luna is just standing there with a really strange circle of really terrifying stuff, as well as the Nephilim, and is just trying to take the spear up, almost like taking a stance to ward away those two large entities in case anything happens, as she just sees that there's three people crouched down behind her. And she's kind of scared, just realizing that it's these two terrifying entities with just her in front right now. Is baby okay? They're just still muttering, hyperventilating, barely recognizing anyone is around, but like is holding on to Flannery's hand. And like maybe, I think like almost instinctually, they like return that hug. They're just holding on tight. I think at this point, since it's pretty clear that Baby is not okay right now and not in any fit state to recall their hymnal, can I have Flannery do an evacuation roll? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, she wants to, like, just pick them up and take them out of here at this point. Sounds like volume if you're just scooping them up and running. Okay. That is a six. So we have evacuated the baby. We're taking the baby uh, away from the pier. (laughs) Yeah. While you're doing that, Julius, too, slides into the seat of the speedboat and is kind of just, like, muttering to themselves. Do I, do I remember how to? And then immediately eyes Mia. Mia, it's a speedboat. (laughs) (laughs) Do the speedboat thing. Do the speedboat thing. Okay. So this is the point where it's sort of a little bit deliberation. So I was going to suggest using the commander ability to just do damage. I don't think we're beating the Nephilim. (laughs) but I do think we can possibly take down the other one before things get worse. All right. That sounds exciting. And the first thing I would like you to do is roll a six-sided die, please. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. I want to ask, like, we're cool. That's cool. Everyone's on board with this. Anyone want to do a different thing? Okay. Yeah, this is a good time for that. As long as we're on the same page. I need a big number. That's not what I wanted. Oh. Uh-oh. Well, that was a three. So it was not the five okay. or six I was hoping for. The three's still pretty good. Yeah. Dylan, tell me about Commander McKay and Damocles. Please. <laughs> Commander Morgan McKay is... You could imagine this could be Mia with another, like, 20 years on her. Just, like, graying hair super focused facade. And what happens is as stuff is starting to go south, Mia makes the executive decision to call in assistance and the commander just takes it upon themselves to see shit gets done. And there's just a call out over the comms that just goes, all right, fine, stand clear. And somewhere on the horizon, on the water... There's like a little glimmer of light as just a full on like borderline battleship off the main city just is like coasting on the horizon line. And then the front of the ship unfolds and opens up as this huge cannon rolls out of it and starts humming with this unnatural otherworldly energy and... Morgan McKay issues the order, fire. And there's just like a horrible screaming, screeching noise as this like giant particle beam just rips through the air and strikes the many bewealed angel. Yeah, and that knocks a sizable chunk out of it and splinters begin to spread through its rainbow serpentine form as a good quarter of it measuring pizza wise has just been completely eliminated and nothing but shards is left. When you look up, 
the speedboat isn't there. Mia just collapses backward onto like her hands and ass. I am so fucking tired of letting these things get away. Yeah, same. I was ready for it too. Roar to Heaven stars Aaron Cerise as Flannery, Kendrick as Baby, Jordan as Lin Lin, and Dylan as Mia. I have been your choir master, Kat. We are playing Blazing Hymn, a game based on the Lumen Engine by Spencer Campbell. Thanks to all our Kickstarter and Itch supporters for making Roar to Heaven possible. This episode was sponsored by The Space Jamber, at The Space Jamber on Twitter and The Space Jamber on Twitch. Thanks so much for your support, Amber. We can't take this dog with us. <laughs> we can and we will. Oh, the dog is coming with. The dog has its own hymnal. Thank you. Dogs can sing good. Oh, it just like howls. And then, oh, that's really cute. Hey, cat, yeah. hey, cat so about my mid-season upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a battle dog. <laughs> no! <laughs> Maybe. All right. Okay. The problem is I love that. The problem is that I do love that crap. <laughs>